Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hey, welcome back to the bottom. If you're the sword podcast, yes, this is actually an episode, a new episode of the bottom. I'm Chris Manning from fearthesword.com, and joining me today is my co-host David Zavok. David, what's going on, buddy? Hey, not a whole lot. Nice little weekend. Uh, trying to enjoy what's left of the summer. Yeah, regardless of what people tell you or may tweet about on Twitter, as one to do Cleveland and Ohio in general, because you're obviously up uh, in the, the northwest region of the state. Uh, Ohio is very nice in the summer. It's good weather. It's it's good times. It's just an enjoyable place to be. But if you're being like, hey, what is this podcast doing back? I thought you'd hear from us in a couple months. That's that's true. Um Without, we're not gonna get into like what David and I have been up to, but basically, like we both had um, important life events happen, and we just got busy and couldn't really commit to doing a ton of this. Um, there also, frankly, was not a ton really going on, but we're back. Uh, the calf season is. We're about a month ish away from media day. That we're recording this on Sunday, August eleventh. The schedule comes out um, tomorrow afternoon, which is pretty interesting, and we'll kind of be. I'll be curious to just kind of dive into that and just kind of plan out like when we're going to see some teams and um, I'm going to at least make one trip out on the road this year. So that'll be cool. But um, David, I, I just want to just say like, what is for you? You've been doing this in the Casablanca sphere for a long time. Um, this is maybe for me and kind of good timing wise, I think for, for me and I, I think you as well, just the quietest calf summer we've had in, in quite a long time. Um some important stuff has happened. You know, new coach, several draft picks. Um, we need to – Dan Gilbert's health, obviously, I think, kind of weighs on the summer in a way we can't quite understand yet, um, frankly. But what is just this this very quiet Cavs summer with no playoffs, with, you know, no free agency action, just draft night, really? What has that kind of been like and for you to kind of process and get into? Um, I think it's the right thing, and I think the, the clear sort of analogy would be uh, the Dion Waiters, Tyler Zeller draft from 2012, where they were just very clearly in a rebuild, and they added those those picks and um, uh, weren't particularly interested in fit or getting better overall. Uh, they were still sort of committed to being young and getting guys that um, they hoped would be part of the next good Cavs team. So. Um, the Cavs have, you know, now really committed to a rebuild. Uh, they will be playing a, a lot of younger players. We talked a lot last year about how it was a rebuild, but they were not, they were bad, but they weren't really even young. Um, this year they can kind of point to some youth. And I think that's, that's a positive step forward, even though, um, it doesn't necessarily make for a, a fun summer. It has not been fun. Um, like, I think that it is interesting, but it's in ways that I don't think we can quite understand it. I think if you look at the summer and you look at what has and has not happened, it's clear that what they're building is very offensive-oriented, right? Like, if you're looking at, you know, what um, what is going on with you know, John Beeline, that you hire that coach because he is an offensive-minded coach and he's going to bring in his system and, and hopefully develop guys and, and to get the most out of, you know, the guys that the Cavs have and, and kind of what they're going for. Um, if you want to look at the draft picks, like, I don't think the, the best-case scenario 
for Darius Garland, Dylan Windler, and Kevin Porter Jr. None of those, and if you, if you want to put Dean Wade, who I know my draft Twitter friends are very high on in that as well, on that two-way contract, none of those guys are like projecting to be like elite defenders. Like those guys that are just going to be like passable in defense, but not like good on defense, right? Like that is what they're building. And I think that is a really interesting pivot because I think the only guys on the roster that I would say are like, Good defenders as of this point in time are Sindarius Thornwell, who they just signed, Larry Nance Jr., and Tristan Thompson. And I don't know if you can say anyone else on the roster. All respect to Delhi, um, but he's a bit slower. And, and Jetty, I think, has potential, but was not good on defense for much much of last year. Like, that that's the roster right now. And I think that it's interesting that they're leaning into that so heavily with their coaching hire and, and whom they selected. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really bad. Um, if... If they lose Kevin Love to injury like they did last year, and they were really bad, like when they lost him, right? Like, it's not going out on a limb. If 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 anything happens to Kevin Love, it is a bad team because they were historically bad defensively last year, um, and uh, they are essentially banking on the health of uh, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love to even get themselves in the ballpark of a um, acceptable defense. And, I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, outside of Cleveland recognizes that Kevin Love can be, a you know, a decent enough uh, defender, you know, and just in terms of, of, of defensive rebounding is important, and he does that. And he's just sort of a smart player. But uh, they they were a historically bad team and they got younger and that usually is not a recipe for success. Uh, they have some players that again, like I said, are healthier. Um, but this is definitely, um, uh, you know, I, I think people are right when they say it'll be a more fun team. Uh, there's, we'll see, you know, uh, you know, how they grow and if they grow and if what some of the stuff we saw from Colin Sexton was real or not. And we get to, you know, start to get, you know, some information about Darius Garland. But um, they're certainly not, I don't think, better roster-wise than they were a year ago. Uh, but they, they certainly are, are doing the right things. I will say... Um... The roster construction aside, roster fit aside, I just like don't know what the coherent version of this team like looks like once it is put together by Beeline and Altman and, and that coaching staff. Um, and there's like a, I think the coaching staff from like what we know about it, I quite like. They kept some of the player development guys who I know um, are well liked and just did some. I think Dan Garrett and and that crew like did some really good work. Um, you know, Jetty's shot looking how it is and some of that stuff I think is somewhat attributed to them. Um, I think J.B. Bickerstaff, while like when he was in the head coaching kind of search, I didn't like love that as a as a potential fit as a head coach. I love him as an associate head coach to kind of help Beeline get used to the grind of the NBA and the flow of that eighty two game season. And um, as someone who can probably help on the defensive end, because I don't, from everything I know about Beeline, he like is going to obviously care about that end. But like the offense is what he loves about basketball. And then I I think the Lindsey Gottlieb hires an inspired choice because she was a, a very good college coach. Um, regardless of what gender she was coaching. 
um, is well respected and just seems like they they didn't bring her in from from what she said and she's made a point to say that to a variety of different people when she's talked about this hire but like Toledo Blade and um, ESPN and stuff I believe but in the Athletic but she like is someone that is like another smart basketball mind and Kobe Allman like saw that out. I love that they're doing stuff like that. I think that that's like the, 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 what they spun about beeline while some of it is like, we're going to sell this coaching hire. Um, and the Cavs are, can be very aggressive in doing that. Like, that's a really like cool thing that they're just hiring people who are really smart about this, about the game of basketball. And I think that's cool. And I think just to touch on beeline, like, you know, I don't know how this will work out. Um, I don't know, like, if they would have been better off hiring someone like Taylor Jenkins, who's a Budenholzer acolyte who went to Memphis, or some of these other young assistants. But, like, I like what the idea of what he can do and what his offense should look like in the NBA. I'm very intrigued by that. And I, although that was a surprising out of left field hire, um, I think that was, like, for me, probably the most interesting point of the offseason. Like, I think just what that hiring meant. And sort of what it signals and, and everything about it and just how much mystery there is around what he's going to do in the NBA. I think that to me is just the most interesting part of the summer, regardless of whom else has come in and whatnot. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about it is kind of like, you know, the Deion Waiters, Tyler Zeller draft. We've done this before. Like we've hired an outside the box, smart, uh, you know, um, unconventional uh, coach from outside the NBA. Like we did that with David Blatt, right? And, and we were all excited. And I think in a lot of ways it would have worked had he been a little bit more, um, you know, open to, uh, you know, uh, you know, listening to players, getting player feedback. If he hadn't had to deal with LeBron James, um, you know, any number of things. So I, I, I'm fine with, with, getting beeline his um reputation is that he's you know uh very strict and um you know requires quite a bit from his players so uh, once again i think it's kind of uh, an interesting and and could be a smart hire if he approaches it uh you know the right way when you look at what he could do um is there anyone within whom they already have as, you know, young pieces that you just, you think really fits what he's going to do. Is there anyone you're really excited to see what he can do? Because I think there's, like, I'm intrigued particularly for, for both Jetty and Colin Sexton. I have no idea what to, to think about Zizic at this point and just what his role is in the future. But Jetty, of the guys that were already on the team and not whom they drafted, I just think he should fit really well in that. And I just, like, want to see what year three and maybe a more in a role that makes more sense for him in an offense that should emphasize what he's really good at on offense and what he should be good at on offense. I find myself very intrigued by that more than just about anything else about about the younger guys coming back to to play with him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you look at, you know, the way that his offenses at Michigan worked, you you've done a lot more work, you know, sort of breaking it down, but you know, I know that they you know, do tend to set up, you know, catch and shoot opportunities and uh, the ball does tend to move. Um, and he doesn't necessarily have a roster that is geared for that. You know, I think, you know, a guy like Dylan Windler is somebody that will probably get him really excited. Um, I think he'll like that uh, Colin Sexton can can break down, you know, guys off the dribble. Um, so I think like, you know, you can look at different players on the roster and they have, you um, 
you know, aspects of an offensive game that I think, you know, Beeline can find uh, productive, whether or not they all, you know, put it together, right? So um, if Sexton's shooting is real and he's breaking guys off the dribble, uh, that's really helpful. And I, I think Beeline will have fun with him. Um, you know, if, if Windler's athleticism, you know, translates and is good enough, I think Beeline will have fun with him. Um, but a lot of the guys have question marks, right? So, like, even Garland, uh, you know, has questions about his, his core vision. There are questions about whether he can finish at the rim, right? So, uh, I mean, not to mention his how many knee surgeries did he have. Like, we don't know that. Right. That's and like they, David yeah, I mean, Griffin, all... like, saying that was, like, a very, like, weird thing that, like, since it's been reported that he had another surgery. But, like, it's – that's, like, all we know. And it's been – I just, like, have questions about, like, what his health status sort of is, I guess. Even though, like, it seems like he's healthy and everyone I've talked to says, like, yeah, he's – they're just being very cautious because he's young. Um, that's, that's like, a weird thing that it just kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. Well, I've, I've like, made the joke, right? Like – it just seems so tailor-made that, like, a week into camp we'll get a, you know, well, you know, they're shutting, they're shutting Garland down for a week because he's experiencing some knee soreness, right? Like, it, that's just, like, the most Cavs thing to happen. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that will happen. I have no inside information telling me that will happen. But, you know, it would be very Cavs to have an entire summer of, he's fine. We're just holding him out. You know, he's ready to go. And then, you know, when he does actually start doing five on five and starts, you know, really pushing himself, I don't know what he's doing in August. You know, I don't know what is, um, you know, I don't know what his July and August, you know, training schedule looked like, you know, he, I, as far as I know, I haven't seen any, uh, you know, uh, summer workout, you know, empty gym highlights. Oh, from no, we got yeah. one last night. He said uh, it to the new Lizzie Vert song, and he's bombing threes from like 30-something feet. Great. It's okay. everything then It's everything then, I ever wanted, and it's deep threes and Lil Uzi Vert. Like, I'm in. I take it back. He's not hurt. He's ready to go. <laughs> Instagram doesn't lie. Instagram is, is never, is never. He's taken the next step. Um, you know, again, you know, well, you get old enough and you've, I, I, I keep referencing just old things, but you you get old enough and and you've been through it all multiple times. You know, Dion Waiters gym highlight reels, you know, were something that destroyed all of us at at various times. So, um, and that's you know, Anthony Bennett, you know, put together a highlight video, and all of a sudden you're the number one pick in the NBA draft. But uh, we'll see what happens. What do you make of? This whole thing, this was like the emphasis of the first um, press conference of sort of his first initial wave of, of PR kind of done wanting to get it once he got hired. What did you make of Beeline being like, I'm, and Altman too, being like, we're going to build culture here and talking about a renaissance, not a rebuild. What did you just make of like that messaging and like the idea of doing that in the NBA as opposed to college? Like I find that just like also like a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I think it's, it's great, you know, but again, he ha he's going to have to be flexible um, and he's going to have to let his assistants lead. Um, he's going to have to allow Bickerstaff to um, tell him things, you know, uh, 
any profession, right? If you're a boss, I feel like you need to have somebody who can come in and uh, tell you when you're being too firm or tell you when you've missed the mark in some way. Um, and if, if he can do that, then I think he can implement things like that. But, um, you know, it, it has to be organic. It can't just be a top down thing where the coach is asking for it. Um, and, uh, he doesn't have the buy-in of the players. So, um, I mean, maybe these things that I'm saying are obvious, but, um, you know, I, I know, you know, uh, just based on things that, you know, people have said that, you know, David Griffin talked about these same things, right? And that's great. But when LeBron dominates your organization and when Kyrie is so weird, like you don't, you don't get to do that. Um, and, you know, I guess it's to Beeline's credit that, you know, in terms of this, that he doesn't come to a team um, that you know, has, is just stacked with players who have already made it and don't have things to prove, you know? Um, uh, so, you know, if he can get Tristan and he can get Kevin Love on board, uh, then yeah, I think there's a real opportunity to, um, get people to buy in. But the other thing that would make it difficult is just if they're losing a lot, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's hard to listen to a first time coach and respect a first time coach, uh, when you, you know, are, are not winning, you know, and the last thing I'll say real quick, I mean, you know, a team that, you know, you could point to that, that did keep things going when they were losing, um, was the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and they had all kinds of, you know, analytics types things where they were measuring how fast the players were running and how much court they were covering. You know, when people talk about tanking, they would say, well, well the, you know, the Sixers weren't trying to win. No, they were. They were doing lots of things to measure effort, and uh, they were taking lots of threes, and they were playing in a smart way. Um, their players were just really bad. So um, I think there are ways to get you know players to buy in, uh, but we'll see you know if Beeline can be creative and, and utilize some of that stuff. So I think this theoretically, like, no LeBron should mean that this is easier to build, right? Like, having, not having, like, to think about LeBron and not having to think about, like, how to placate him and, like, like, I don't want to say that, like, obviously, you get LeBron James or, like, a player even close to his caliber, like, just to be very frank about this, you do it and you don't think twice about it. Like, you just get that guy and then you just, like, go for it. Um, but, like, if you can't build the structure and, like, we don't know if, like, any of the guys they have are going to be, like, kind of difficult to deal with at times a la Kyrie a la Dion you know we don't know like if like Garland and Sex are gonna have to hold a press conference to like say they like each other like look on Instagram live like I don't know like something stupid like that um I just think like if if this is ever gonna happen for the Cavs who have been kind of crazy and all over the place and like have their own issues these last couple years like if it's gonna happen if a sort of like stable like successful mid-market team where like the culture and the player development and like they can continue like to build success organically instead of having to base it on having LeBron on their team if that is going to happen it feels like if it's going to happen with this particular leadership group it's probably got to start this year and we got to probably see signs of that this year that to me is like when we look ahead to the season 
I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to be picking high in the draft again next year. I think it's going to be a slog at times. But it cannot be as depressing as it was to be around them at times last year. And I think you have to see signs of progress because that's part of the reason why you'll hire Beeline. That's part of the reason why, even if rookies, that you bring him in to establish that culture and develop guys. Like, that is, and you have Jetty and Sexton and stuff, like, in their, not rookies anymore. They got to take steps. Jetty's due for a contract next summer. Like, I think this is the year where, like, even if it doesn't mean wins, we need to be able to measure progress some way to say, like, okay, this is actually something that's headed in in a positive direction, and it's not just, like, the Kyrie era done over again with, like, a lower level of talent. Yeah, and I mean, that's fine, and I think it's possible, but if... Kevin Love gets hurt or gets traded, they're really, really bad. <laughs> Kevin Love's not and, on the team. They have no one to run an offense through that is actually good right now. That's just a fact. And, and I, but I mean, even more seriously, like, I don't know how they get better defensively. Like, I don't agree with defense as all effort. And even if they get, like, this buy-in from young players and they have this organic culture, like, when you are losing a lot, a keeping that effort would be very difficult, but they just don't have a lot of guys who know what they're you know know what they're doing. They don't know where to be. They have never seen um, different play sets. You know, um, there's there's nobody like LeBron that can call out plays as they're happening. Um, you know, other than Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, and uh, you know maybe Larry Nance. You know, starts to grow into that role a little bit. But he doesn't have a whole lot of minutes in the NBA either. Like they don't they just don't have people who know how to play the game at a high level uh, defensively, as well as just a lot of guys who don't necessarily have like the tools to do it either. So um, there's just a lack of know-how. And that's fine. Like again, like I just how we started off at the top, like they need to rebuild, they need to you know invest in players. Um, but if you want like that culture to be built now, um, you know, they really will need a lot of Kevin Love. Now, I mean, if, if, if I'm Kobe Altman and I'm listening to this and he's not, but if I'm, if I'm Dan Gilbert and I'm listening to this, Kobe, if you you are, if you, if Kobe is like, come on. Just come on, just chat with us. Tell us we're idiots. Like, let's like, just, I would actually just like, like them to be more like descriptive about what they're actually doing instead of like selling yeah. me things. Like just be well, like but, let's just be frank about this shit. Like it's just but more his very obvious frank. response would be we do have Kevin Love on the team. We do have Tristan Thompson on because the team. He, but but they because they can't say like we're trading Kevin Love. Like even if you read an article about Kevin Love right now, it's literally like he's not he's maybe he's on the team this year, but like David Aldridge, who's as plugged in as anybody, like literally wrote like a week ago that was like it's a very small chance, and I'm paraphrasing, that like Kevin Love is on the Cavs the end of his contract. Like, that's the perception of, of him. But, like, when does that happen and if it does happen? I think it's harmful if it happens this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they need um, – I think let a lot of these guys – you know, you can you can trade some of them, but uh, let guys play out some contracts. Um, you know, don't take on a whole lot of additional money past, you know, this summer um, unless you really are getting, you know, prime picks back. But um, – or unless guys, you know, really want out. But um, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, some of the players who know how to play are not just going to be helpful to Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, but 
they would be helpful to you know John Beeline as well. All right, we're going to wrap up our part one. This is going to be part one of two for this week. You're listening to this one probably Monday or late Sunday or something. Um, David, I want to wrap up part one. We're going to get to the rookies, I think, in the second part, and then we're going to do season preview stuff later on um, in, in the lead-up to the season. But the only free agent signing was Darius Thornwell, whom I really like. And um, got already, he already, already got, I got my – he's my first player subtweet. So, Shep, thank you, Sundarius, for, for, like, complaining about my takes on something I said <laughs> about you. And But, like, I appreciate him tweeting me back, and, like, I've heard he's, like, really good to talk to you. So I'm, can't we, I'm actually very excited to talk to him um, and just – just interact with him but I think like he's gonna be like Abram he should just based on the fact that he's like a very good defender the film loves him metrics love him like he probably should just play a bunch and like have a chance to like earn more money because he's on a one-year contract um I don't really care that their Frasian signings are like basically like getting Dean Wade who's an undrafted rookie on a two-way deal and getting Thornwell um JP Makura is on an exhibit 10 contract I think it's very likely he's on the Canton charge I cannot imagine, like, he's on the roster opening night. Um, maybe he's on a two-way deal or something like that, but, like, I, I don't think he's a NBA roster piece. Um, and they just don't have a lot of money to, to work with. Like, I, I think, like, if you're going to do, like, one small move, I at least like that it was, like, an Awaba-esque player who, like, you're betting on a little bit. You're giving him a chance to probably thrive, and he's, I think, based on, like, what the NBA is right now, is probably undervalued. Um, in a league that is so tilted towards one end of the floor right now. Like, I think Thornwell's, like, better than some of the replacement-level offensive-oriented wings just because, like, he's more impactful than, like, a guy who's, like, a 33% shooter but can, like, dribble a little bit. It's, I think that's just, like, my, my take is that guys like him and Nawab are a little bit undervalued in, in the structure of the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a sign that they know the player, the kind of player that they need. Um, so I, I don't, I wouldn't read too much more into it than that. Um, you know, I, I think the big question with somebody like Kobe Altman is, you know, we're not really sure, you know, w- what decisions he makes and what he doesn't, but I am pretty confident that, you know, he has a basic idea for, you know, how to win in the NBA and he has a championship ring himself. And, um, uh, I think he's definitely the type of player that you would want, I think it's a little frustrating they they weren't able to keep Nuaba, but I have no idea what went into signing him in the first place. Or there's you know, some, there's something to the, what you're saying there. I don't want to get into that because that's like a, a speculation, like YouTube conspiracy rabbit hole. But there's like something going on there, right? And I and I I don't know, but it, it certainly shows that they they have an idea of what their you know roster deficiencies are and. Uh, what they needed to replace with Nuaba. Uh, is he going to do it? No, but um, but they're trying. So, you know, you give credit for that. What do you just think of overall? Again, we're going to talk about the rookies, I think, one kind of one-by-one-ish um, and as a group the next time on this show. But what do you just make of the roster as it is right now? Like, what do you, what is, like, your the David Zavok, like, take on, on this Cavs roster as we record here on August 11th? Um, I think, you know, 27, 28 wins. Um, if they get 60 Kevin Love games, if they get under 50 Kevin Love games, I think things get pretty difficult. But um, I think the most exciting or interesting part is, you know, Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr. and Dylan Windler and, um, 
but also, you know, okay, can Kevin Love, you know, stay healthy and have a bounce back year? Um, you know, does can Larry Nance shoot threes? Um, and and what what does Tristan Thompson have left in the tank? Right? I mean, um, he really killed himself, you know, in 2016, and uh, what it took for you know Thompson to play those minutes and. Uh, you know, all the finals back-to-back years. Uh, you know, this summer was the first time for him to really, you know, recharge and get, you know, rejuvenated. And um, I, I'm curious to see what he looks like. Maybe it's just still not very good. But um, there are some question marks uh, that hopefully we'll get some positive answers, you know, positive answers to. I'd agree with that, and I would just say, like, when I think about um, what this team looks like, I think it's clearly just so tilted in one way that, like, while I'm going to write about the defense and ask questions about the defense and be like, this is, like, be like, hey, guys, this what's what's, what's really going on here? Um, I just think, like, the season is going to be based, this, my success view of the season is really going to be largely dependent on, like, what they do on the offensive end of the floor um, and, and what that means for their guys who are all sort of offensive-oriented prospects. I think, like, that's kind of clearly where we're at with that group. So, like, for me, it's just, like, I think that's just, like, the most interesting way to view the prism. Um, I don't know, like, otherwise, like, what really to, to like, project about the team right it's just like i need to see how they look on that end of the floor and then we can go from there um it's just that that to me is just like all that we really know about the Cavs is just like that they're tilted pretty squarely in one direction and we need to kind of see how that plays out um david and he just and there's just a bunch of expiring contracts so like i just like think it's inevitable that we're gonna get um some uh some fluctuation let's say in the team like we're gonna get some some roster changes um more likely than not at some point don't know how drastic yeah. it'll be but like that's gonna happen yeah and i mean if they can get to the trade deadline with kevin love that's way more preferable to me than you know moving him earlier on um because i just think a full year without him would be really tough and I'm someone who just, you know, wants to stay, you know, with a, a top pick. Um, I don't think Kevin Love necessarily keeps you from getting that top pick. Uh, but I just think, you know, he's helpful in terms of development. So um, we'll see. But, uh, uh, no, I mean, they're, they're, they, could, they could trade 11 players on this roster, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um you know, they could even get to a point where Colin Sexton was moved, and it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're pretty far from there, but um, anything's possible. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting uh, to kind of see how that plays out. But uh, that's going to be it for part one of this conversation. Uh, find David on Twitter at David Zavok. I'm on Twitter at C. WM right. You can find Fear the Sword um, at Fear the Sword on Twitter, at Fear the Sword on Facebook. Find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get shows. Leave us that review. And we're going to be back later this week, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. David, it's good to be back. Thanks for chatting with me. Hey, always fun.